The prosperity gospel is this idea that if we have faith in God, we will be materially blessed, that we will have health and wealth and everything will go right for us. And you might see the prosperity gospel if you've ever watched televangelists. Not every televangelist is into the prosperity gospel, but a number of them are. The prosperity gospel, to be frank and blunt, is a heresy. But like all heresies, it has this kernel of truth in it, right? Christ did come uh, to give us an abundance of blessing. He came to give us life eternal. But it's a supernatural blessing that he came to give us. The prosperity gospel, it reduces what Christ came to give us to this world only to health and wealth in this life. Well, I, I mentioned the prosperity gospel because the gospel that we have tonight, the passage we have tonight, is something like an anti-prosperity gospel. Jesus is speaking about the cost of being his disciple. And frankly, he's saying it's incredibly expensive, in a sense, to be his disciple. You know, he gives us, let's start with these two parables that he gives us, or maybe one parable with two parts, he, about someone constructing a tower, that they're first going to make sure they have what they need, the manpower, the money, the material to finish the job. Or a king going into battle, before he goes into battle, he's going to make sure he has enough soldiers and weapons and supplies to actually win the battle. What's, what's the point of this parable? Well, he's saying, in a sense, it sounds like he's saying, you guys don't know what you're getting into. That it's going to be difficult, hard to be my disciple. That in a sense, it costs everything we have. And he's very specific. He, and he says something that I'm sure sounds very strange to many of us. He says, If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And that sounds strange, right? Because Jesus, multiple times in the gospel, what does he say? Love your neighbor as yourself. Obviously, our family would be counted among neighbors. So why does he seemingly say hate them in this gospel? Well, the truth is he's using something uh, like hyperbole. You know, hyperbole is exaggerating to prove a point, to, to draw attention and make a point. And we do this all the time in casual conversation as well as in formal uh, communication and, and if you if you listen to politicians they're very prone to do this as well but just in everyday speaking we will say things like my feet are killing me or I'm so hungry I could eat a horse we don't actually mean my feet are ending my life or that I'm I'm hungry enough to eat an entire horse we, what, what do we mean my feet hurt I'm really hungry okay so if this is hyperbole. What is the point he's trying to get at? Well, he's saying that not even the sacredness of family loyalty can outweigh our commitment to Christ. 
because we may be called upon to distance ourselves, maybe even for a time break that familial relationship if it becomes an obstacle to the one relationship necessary, a relationship to Christ. What would this look like? Well, I think, you know, an easy example could be a young person feels called to the religious life and his or her parents want nothing to do with it. And that young person is faced with either turning away from what they believe is their vocation and pleasing their family, or embracing their vocation and possibly severing ties with, their, with his or her family. That's kind of an isolated example. Most of us aren't called to the religious life. But this principle can apply very easily outside of the family. You know, if a boss asks us to do something immoral, this passage is telling us we need to say, sorry, I can't do it. You can fire me if you want, but I can't, I can't go against my conscience. If a boyfriend is pressuring a girlfriend into being promiscuous, this passage is telling that girlfriend to break it off. If a friend is pressuring us into lying or cheating or stealing, well, it's time to get a new friend is what Christ is saying. We can't sacrifice this one relationship necessary, this relationship to Christ. You know, Christ also says in this gospel that whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. The cross is the hallmark of his disciple, that no servant is greater than his master. And if our master, Christ, went to the cross, if we're going to follow him, we're going to have to pick up our own cross as well. You know, crucifixion was a terrible way to die in the ancient world. It was a torturous and shameful way to die. And so Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow me, it will probably involve suffering, maybe even, maybe even death. Now, if that sounds dire, the cross, we need to remember, is a symbol of hope. Because the cross, this instrument of Christ's death, is actually also the instrument of his victory. His victory over sin and death and the devil. His victory that wins the grace that makes us the adopted sons and daughters of God. The, the instrument of his victory that gives us hope of everlasting life and a super abundance of blessing for all eternity. You know, this is the great irony of passages like these where Christ is outlining, outlining the cost of being his disciple. He's saying it's going to cost a lot. Maybe even your life. But in dying to ourselves, we find eternal life. It's the great paradox, the great irony of our faith, that it's by dying to ourselves that we find eternal life, that we find that happiness, that material blessings, that health and wealth cannot give. And so as we continue with Mass, let's pray for the grace to persevere in following Christ, to persevere in paying the price to be his disciple.
Let's pray to continue on the journey along the road of the cross, the road which leads to eternal life, to a super abundance of blessing for all eternity.